good to be with you again this morning. I want to ask you to join me in prayer. We've just prayed, but I want to ask you to pray for a couple of things. Our brothers and sisters are meeting all over this. They're meeting in a variety of places, community schools, homes. They're meeting all over our city. There's a new group that's beginning in North Burnaby. And they're being launched out of one of our church plants even before they become a registered church. They're launching another church. And I want to ask you to pray for that church planter in North Burnaby. There's a church planter that's in a car pulling a U-Haul trailer from Fort Worth, Texas up here to begin work in Sydney, B.C. over on the Vancouver Island. That's that group of people I told you that wanted to have a church and ask us to start one. Well, that church planter's on the road today and will cross the border on Tuesday and move in to Sydney this week. And they'll begin meeting together as a new church over on Vancouver Island for them as they go and as they move into that particular city. We've seen a pizza hut, a pizza place, not a pizza hut. There are none in uh, uh, Steveston, but we've seen a pizza place in Steveston say, can you meet and we'll let you meet in our building uh, on the weeknights? And they're going to gather together to discuss and reach out to a group of lost people that are hungry and thirsty for the gospel. And they're going to begin that this week. And I want to ask you to pray for them and ask God to move in that particular city to launch something out there in Steveston through the work and the gathering of one of our church planners. God is at work all over our city. He's painting on a canvas bigger than anything that we can see or understand. And oftentimes we don't have the opportunity to hear about that. But you're a part of that family. You're a part of that effort. And I want to ask you this morning, can we pray for those men and women that are beginning to stand up and to share the gospel across the city in our sister churches? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you to say thank you. Thank you for the incredible privilege and the freedom to meet and to worship you. Father, we pray for those that will hear the gospel this morning for the very first time. There's so many that have absolutely no religious background in our city. They struggle, and we struggle oftentimes, to try to figure out how to share that good news about you with others. And Father, we pray for these that are committing their lives, that are beginning to move at your call to be obedient to you, to long new places, hard places, difficult places, places where they will face loneliness, they will face difficulty, they will face isolation. Lord, I ask you to move in their hearts and strengthen them. I pray that your word would move in their speak today as they share today into the streets in this place. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for where you're at work. And Lord, I ask you to grant us the courage to join you. To join you in that great kingdom venture of sharing your message with your people and this lost world. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being here today. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.
Amen. This morning I want to invite you to join the battle. Ephesians chapter 6 defines prayer as a spiritual battle. It begins to say that that is the place where the war is won or lost. I have to tell you that I have come to understand that more this year than any other time in my life. About a year ago, we began a process of trying to do a number of things in our association. And one of the things that we did was we made a choice about advocating and challenging our people for prayer. We kind of stepped back, assuming that everyone was doing it, and assuming that that was a task that would be easily transported to multiple people in multiple places. And what we saw was a decrease in the number of people that were praying. The number of people that were actively involved lifting up the name and the names of God's people and praying for them on a diligent basis. And what I saw take place over the next few months demonstrated that this is a spiritual battle. I saw some of our planners get hit harder than they've ever been hit before. I saw families struggle. I saw churches struggle. And we began to say to people it was time for us to call out our people to prayer and to call out our people to join in the battle. And so I'm here today to ask you to do that. I'm here today to challenge you to make a concerted effort to join the battle in prayer on a daily basis. To lift up the concerns of the church and the churches and the city and begin to look at the news from a perspective that says, where is God at work and how can we join Him in that as we pray together? You may not be able to do anything else but you can pray. Would you be willing to do that? Our Lord taught us how to pray. We've memorized that prayer. We've quoted it back multiple times. But this morning I want to challenge you with just a few brief words to look again at that prayer and to see the simplicity and yet the power of that prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6 if you want to turn to it. I want to point out to you that the story on this prayer actually begins a little bit in verse 5. It says, When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. They get what they're looking for. The accolades, the recognition, but not the power. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Early in my ministry, I worked with a a group of individuals, and I began to watch, and one of the young men was struggling, trying to to really become a disciple of Christ. And he wanted to meet the Father early in the morning to pray. He had a one-bedroom apartment, a small preschool child, a young wife, and there was no space in his room to get isolated. So what he did was he set up a little box in his closet. Now the light in his closet had a pull string. You know, those were old-fashioned now. They don't exist anymore, I'm sure. But he tied a string to it that would stretch nearly to the floor. 
And early in the morning when he would wake up, he would roll out of bed, crawl into his closet, reach up and turn that light on and open the Word of God and there he would spend his time in that closet. A quiet place, a private place to pray for the concerns of life. Every time I read this passage, I think of Tom. I think of what he did to accomplish that discipline in his life. He found a place where there was no place. He gathered at a time when it was early and inconvenient. He overcame the physical desire to stay close to the pillow. My brother oftentimes used to joke about the fact that his bed was called the Word, and he would spend at least eight hours a day in the Word trying to sound spiritual. But oftentimes that bed grabs us and holds on to us, and he would roll out of that comfortable place and find that time alone with the Father to pray. He kept a journal in that small closet on that box in the middle of the floor surrounded by shoes under the hanging clothes. And I remember at the end of the year that we were together, he brought out that small tattered journal and we began to reflect on the answered prayers that were found in the middle of that closet. He found a private place and he prayed. The Lord encourages us to do that. To find that private place to pour out our heart to Him. Because He says in the very next verse, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven. You see, the basis of that prayer, the basis of time alone with God, is based on the relationship we share with Him. It comes out of the overflow of our life. It comes out of discovering who He is. It comes in the midst of us wrestling with the uncertainties of life. It comes as we begin to search the Scripture and discover the truths of God's Word and try the best way we know how to put it into action. And somehow we come into that intimate relationship with Him. And it's out of that relationship that He calls us to prayer. It's not to achieve a relationship, but out of a relationship that He brings us to. It comes as we surrender to Him, as we commit ourselves to Him, as we step into His presence, and we begin to pour out our hearts to Him, our Father, our Dad, which art in heaven. You are our Father. You are the one we seek to know and to walk with. It's really strange that when we have a good relationship with somebody, what comes out of our mouth to them. And when we don't, we don't know how to talk to them. I did a wedding yesterday, and as I walked around the group, I knew who knew each other and who didn't, because those conversations went something like this. Hello, it's good to meet you. Hello, it's good to meet you. I heard the same words multiple times from strangers who did not know each other. And yet friends who had seen each other and known each other for a long time began to embrace and talk about the old times and celebrate those times. And families gathered from across an ocean and they began to celebrate that relationship. And then when the speeches came, you began to hear the stories again and again and again. And tears would flow as those intimate relationships began to be shared. 
You see, this matter of prayer comes in the midst of that relationship. But I want you to notice five things that I'm going to give you. Notice what he prays next. Hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. There's something incredibly important about that word. I traveled with one of our church planners for some time one day, and one week, literally, three days, and his two 12-year-old twins were in the back seat. And if you've ever traveled with young people very often, you know that them and cars don't get along for long periods of time. They want out. They want to get out. They want to run. They want to walk. They want to do... But we had business we had to do with his father. And I watched these two sons of his for three straight days. We were together from 8 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. I watched them for three straight days. At the end of that time, I looked at his father. I looked at them. And I said, for the first time in my life, I looked at those boys and I said, Boys... The scripture teaches that you're to honor your father and mother. Your behavior, the way you spoke, the way you interacted with waitresses and waiters, the way you treated me, the way you talked to your mother, the way you related to the people in the stores where we went, where you met new people. I want you to know your mother and father were honored by your behavior. Their respect in my eyes grew because of your behavior. Now that's honor. But I want you to notice what he said. Hallowed, holy be your name. What does the world think of our God based on the way we live our lives? Some ethereal grandfather in the sky who comes sometimes to meet us in the midst of our crisis, or a holy creator, all powerful God. You see, that relationship that we pour out our prayer from is that the world, the people around us, the circumstances we walk into, would know that He is a holy, a different God, a Creator God, a separate God. Not only is He our Father and intimately involved with us, but He's holy. He's not like us. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one that created the universe by the word of His mouth. He's the one who put the stars into place. He's the one who created you and me. He is a holy, holy God. May our prayer be that our lifestyles, our patterns of living would demonstrate to a world that our God is holy, that our God is powerful, that our God is strong. Would we pray in that way? Notice the next thing that he says. Not only would His name be holy, but His kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. 
that His kingdom, His rule, His authority, His plan would come into play. Often I have sat in a hospital room with a weeping family as we dealt with a case where my heart broke. I don't like cancer. I don't like heart attacks. I don't like illness that takes grandparents and parents. And particularly, I don't like it when it takes small children. And oftentimes I found myself praying in the midst of a circumstance like that. And I know my God is big enough and more powerful than anybody in the world and He could speak in a moment and that healing could take place. And boy, do I plead for that sometimes. I ask God, I say, God, intervene. God, you know my heart. You know what I want. Lord, that's the desire of my heart. Do that, please. But not what I want, but what you desire. Lord, you know, I want that house. Lord, I want, I I, I desire, but not what I will, but what you will. How often we come to that that trite little statement, and I I don't mean to downplay it. We we oftentimes get there and we, we pray this incredible prayer and we say, if it be your will. Almost as an excuse, we add that phrase, if it be your will. Can I challenge you to change that if to your will be done? I'm not challenging whether you should say if or not. That's not my statement. But it is the willingness of this kind of prayer to say, Father, we desire your will above all things. We want your kingdom to rule here on this earth. We want this to take place, but not my will, but yours be done. We take from that in the Garden of Gethsemane where our Savior did the same thing. Lord, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. You see, the prayer that is powerful, the prayer that will change, is a prayer that is prayed in submission to the will of God. Even when we're confused. Even when we don't know what it is. Even when we're wondering and searching, Father, we desire Your will to be accomplished in this circumstance. My emotions are so tied up, Father. My, my brain is so confused, Father. But I'm making a choice here today that I want Your will to be done for I know that it is the best thing for me. It is the best thing for our city. You know, I could, I could walk the streets of our city, and I have many times in the last 25 years. And I've talked with the Father about sections of our town where there's not a church. I've talked to the Father about lost people that are on the street. I've pled with the Father to do things. But I've asked for His will to be done above what I desire and what I hunger for. You see, the priority is His holy name. The priority is His will be done in the midst of it. Notice what the third thing is that He prays in this passage. 
He says, give us this day our daily bread. Now many of you can look at me and know that I've had far more than my daily bread. I enjoy eating. Oftentimes I enjoy it too much. And for that I apologize. Because I'm not setting the kind of standard I need to set for others. Notice what this passage says though. Give us this day our daily bread. You remember where that happened before? In the wilderness wanderings and the exodus. They received manna in the morning for the day and once a week they would take two days worth. But they had enough for the day and if they took more, it rotted. I wonder how many people those first few days saw the manna and says, okay, let's jar it up, let's get everything we can, only to discover the next morning that it was rotten. And it was bad. The Father was trying to teach His people a very simple lesson. Dependence on Him. I will provide for you. And when He taught us to pray, He taught us to pray for our daily bread. That in the midst of this circumstance, in the midst of this relationship, we desire to find our dependence on Him. That that's what we depend upon. How many of you, like so many of us, worry about retirement and worry about that next house payment and worry about and worry and worry and... And the Father says, pray for your daily bread. Pray that in this day, in this time, you will be found faithful... For you have no guarantee of tomorrow or the next day or the day after. But rather, in the midst of your heart, you find yourself surrendering to His plan in dependence upon Him to provide that which you need in order to accomplish what you must. You see, there's a spirit not only of His name being holy, Not only of it being out of the intimacy of the relationship. Not only about His kingdom being present in today. But also my dependence on Him for what I need to accomplish it. Lord, I I think we need this, 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 and this. And then we'll go do that. How often we have found ourselves thinking of the things that are required before we begin to do what we've been asked to do. We make a list of all the things that we need to accomplish before we get there. The Father says, I've given you what you need. When I speak to you about going, it's time to go. It's time to move. It's time to step out. It's time to act in obedience. Father, give us this day our daily bread. And then notice what he says. I struggled with this one for a long time. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You mean, Father, you're not going to forgive us if we don't forgive other people? 
Hmm. You remember the parable that he told about the man who had a great debt, an overwhelming debt that he could not pay? And the master chose to say he was going to throw him into prison and when he chose to do that, the man begged, Oh, forgive me, forgive me. Don't, don't do this. Don't make this happen. And the father, the master, forgave him. He immediately left that place. And in the midst of this incredible freedom he had, he sought out a man who owed him a small amount. And he began to challenge the man for what he owed him. And the man said, Please, don't, don't, don't do this. Family, all the things that's expensive. Don't, don't, please, don't do this. But he threw him in prison until he could pay it back. And then he went back to the master. The master heard about it, called him in, and ended up throwing him into prison. The story is a simple one. You see, the way we forgive others is the way we have forgiven and experience the forgiveness of God. If I'm not forgiven by God, if I've not experienced that forgiveness by Him, if I have taken it for granted, if I have forgotten it, if I have somehow moved away from it, my forgiveness of other people is lost. And I need to be challenged. I need to be confronted. Father, hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Give us what we need for today. And Father, forgive us the way we forgive others. Keep us mindful of our need of you. Father, challenge us to remember that we are a forgiven people. And let us live it out in our daily lives. Let it be said of us, grudges were not a part of our livelihood or our pattern of life. Let it be said that we chose to forgive when it was unwarranted because we had been forgiven when it was unwarranted. Let it be said that we sought out the one who hurt us. For Father, you sought out the one who hurt you. Father, let us live our lives in such a way that the world knows your incredible forgiveness because they see us forgiving others in our life. You are a forgiving God. Father, let us demonstrate that to others. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There are times when we need to go to prison because it's justified. But He's chosen not to send us there. Help us to be a forgiving people. Notice what he says, last but not least. He says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Would the Father lead His children who are following Him into temptation? No. Would He allow us to walk in the temptation? Oh, you bet. Every day. He challenged His disciples on the last day He was with them. He said, let's go to the garden and let's pray. I want you to be ready so that you won't and you'll be able to stand up to the temptation. I want you to be victorious today. I want you to make the choice to prepare before the battle. I want you to make certain that my leading of you is in the midst of you delivering me from the evil one. That I follow you out of that lifestyle. I follow you out of that pattern of behavior. And you begin to lead me forward. For I don't want to fail, Father. Don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me. Don't allow me to go there. Father, I know those places I don't need to go. I know those things I need to turn off. I know those circumstances, those situations that need to be removed from my life. Father, deliver me and take those away. Don't let me go there. For you have all the power. You have all the authority. You have all the grace to accomplish that. I want to call you out today to join us in prayer for our city. To pray for the lostness of our community and for your neighbors. To call out to obedience to go and be obedient to what He says for you to do. But before you do, go in your closet. Find that little box. Take your Bible and make some decisions about your relationship with the Father. Father, my desire is for you to be holy. In my world, I want them to know you are holy. You're not like them. I want my life to demonstrate that. Father, I want your kingdom to come above all things. First in my life, then in the life of my family, the life of my church, the life of my community, and the life of this world. Father, I want to learn how to be dependent on you daily for what you need and what I need to accomplish the task you've called me to. If you'll give me my daily bread, it's enough to get me through today, to get me to tomorrow. Father, help me to forgive like you've forgiven me. Help me to forgive that I might go deeper your forgiveness. For you see, it's in the forgiveness that we discover how much He really did for us also. And Father, before I step out of this place, before I open this door and the world begins to come crashing into my reality, let me make the choice not to be tempted. Father, don't be there. But instead, deliver me 
in the midst of this spiritual battle. And you know what? The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. When we confess our sins one to another, He heals us and forgives us our sin. When He begins to step into our life, there is a power that cannot be diminished. And this city needs you. Our Father wants to use you. Will you make yourself available? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the time you've allowed us to be together this morning. And thank you for what you've done in our lives. Father, challenge our hearts and grant us the courage to be obedient to you. It's in the name of Christ that I pray. Amen.